Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. Uh, last episode, we talked at different conflict resolution styles, conflict management styles. And so we're going to follow up in today's episode with what is going on when we're in the midst of conflict. And I find this really fascinating, although by now you know I find everything fascinating, right? <laughs> so Dr. Rhoda is going to share with us you know, what is going on in our brain. And at least for me, awareness of that really helps me to connect all the dots. Yeah, that's really the focal point of today's podcast, Professor Marty, is that awareness, because that's what makes such a difference. We, last week, as you mentioned, we talked about our conflict resolution style. We want to become aware of that. We all have this default, really comfortable place that we like to go when there's the uncomfortableness of conflict, and we want to become aware of that. Then knowing this, then we get to choose how we want to handle conflict. Once we're aware of how we typically do, we can decide if that serves us well or if it doesn't, and we can go a different way if we want, but we have to be aware of it first. So so if you're not sure what your conflict style is, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that one first, and then come back to this one, because now we're going to see why that's so important. So we need to be able to use the thinking part of our brain when we're resolving conflict. The thinking part of our brain is officially called the prefrontal cortex. And it's that area located right behind your forehead. That's the part of your brain that processes information. This is where thinking, insights, decisions, thinking through the consequences of our actions, higher order thinking skills, creativity, impulse control, emotional regulation, all these great things happen in our prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of our brain. Now, there's another part of our brain called the amygdala. It's right at the very top of our, our brain stem. Amygdala in Latin means almond. It looks like two little almonds. Uh, this has a very different purpose. This part of our brain is designed literally to keep us alive. There's nothing wrong with feeling stress. Stress is this natural way that God created us. It was originally designed to keep us alive. If we step off the curb and there's a semi-truck barreling toward us, we want to be able to react quickly. This is not the time to ponder and evaluate all our different options. We need to move and move quickly. So we have an automatic response designed to keep us alive. That comes from the amygdala. It's called the fight, flight, and sometimes we add freeze response, right? We get in trouble when we utilize this system too often. For example, when we think getting in a disagreement with someone, our body reacts like it's a life or death situation and sends stress throughout our body. Or if someone cuts us off in traffic, they cut into our lane while driving. We think it's a life or death situation and we get all stressed. You know, I just need to interject here because mm -hmm. I was very blessed to uh, uh, be able to purchase a, a very nice car. And so driving in today, yeah, I, I kind of thought it was a life and death situation <laughs> changing lanes here. Um, sorry. A little higher stress because the consequences were a yeah. little higher. Huh? But, but, but maybe on the stress note, th yeah. there, there is value to that healthy tension. You know, yeah. stress... So many books out there talk about the negative effects of stress. And yes, they're there and, and we'll talk about it. But stress in and of itself, you, you need to have it. It's a part of our design, right? Yeah. But the thing is, when we start getting really stressed by having to do some public speaking or we've got an important meeting or some of those types of situations and we, we get too stressed too often, that's when we get in trouble. But stress in itself is a good thing, meant to keep us alive. We need to understand what's going on in our body when this happens. We can either be in stress mode or thinking mode. We can't be in both. It's just not how we're designed. Here's what happens. Normally when all is well and you're in a calm state, 
our body sends neurochemicals to the prefrontal cortex, that thinking part of our brain, and that allows us to process information, to think critically, to regulate emotions. When we become stressed, there's something that's different that happens in our body. Instead of devoting that neurochemistry to our brain, the amygdala sends it to our body so that we're able to fight or flee. Our lungs expand so we can run. Our heart starts beating more quickly. It's pumping blood to our legs and to our arms so that we can either fight or run away. So when that energy is going to our body, when that neurochemistry is going to our body, our brain's not getting the chemistry it needs to think clearly. It can't do both at the same time. One shuts off when the other activates. That's why we want to make important decisions when we're in a calm, safe state, when we have a, this sense of well-being. We're not usually good at making decisions when we're in stress mode. The part of our brain where good decision-making happens isn't operating optimally. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so in order to resolve conflict with the thinking part of our brain, we can't be upset. This is the key. It's impossible to reason with someone when they're upset or angry because the part of your brain where reasoning takes place isn't working well. I'm just going to say that again because it's so important. It is impossible to reason with someone when they are upset or angry because we all have been in situations where that has occurred. Mm -hmm. And... There's a tendency without this knowledge mm -hmm. and without being aware that you need to be calm and without thinking things through beforehand mm -hmm. that you just go toe to toe for lack of We escalate word. and we become upset and yeah. And, and no good thing happens oh. out of that. When a fool and a wise man argue, it's hard to tell who's who. Have you ever been in a disagreement with someone? Let's just to get, give a little example of this so that we understand it. Have you ever ever been in a disagreement with someone and you're you're upset and there's conflict and you're going back and forth and then you decide to just, you walk away. And you walk away and about two or three minutes later, all of a sudden you have like this eureka moment. You're like, oh man, why couldn't I have thought of that two or three minutes ago? This is a prime example of what's going on. When you're in that conflict, your amygdala fires up, your prefrontal cortex is not getting the, the stuff it needs to work well, okay? And so when you start to walk away, first off, we oftentimes hold our breath and don't breathe well when we're upset. So as you start to walk away, you start to calm down, you start to breathe again, your blood pressure settles down, your amygdala settles down. After a couple of minutes of that settling, your brain starts getting the neurochemistry to think again. It starts processing of all the things it could have said and it lands upon that perfect thing. And I often think, so yes, face-to-face -face, that happens all the time, mm -hmm. but it also happens when you impulsively shoot that email Absolutely. out or comment on Facebook and you can't get that back. And so right. this is really something to, if you're a teacher, teach your students, yes. but explain the why behind it. Yes, the pause button. If our society, if we as human beings could figure out how to hit that pause button more often, and instead of saying what we want to say when we're in the heat of the moment or an argument or a disagreement, just hit the pause button. If you wait, you know, four or five hours and you still feel that way, you'll still have the chance to communicate it. That's every communication doesn't have to have to happen right. That's where in our, your conflict style, the avoider, the accommodator, that's kind of a blessing. They can kind of hit that pause button a little bit easier than a lot of people. They don't have to have everything resolved. They don't have to have the last word right away. Okay. So know that about yourself. So just on a very practical level, mm -hmm. um, if you receive uh, an email from a parent who's unhappy with something that happened in 
the classroom. Yeah. Typically what I do is say, thanks for bringing this to my attention. This is important to you. It's important to me. Let's set up a time to meet and discuss. And that's really a better gauge than answering all the questions they have and going back and forth. And then you also have the benefit of face-to-face. -face. Absolutely. When you're responding via a written communication, there's so much room for misinterpretation. Um, when you get together and meet face to face and you've calmed down, you can judge nonverbals and you can you can have usually a much more effective, meaningful conversation about it. So that's excellent, an excellent strategy. Sometimes I think we feel like we have to answer everything and respond right away. Um, God gives us time for a reason. Life is not this sprint, this rush. When we can step back, calm down, let our amygdala react, relax, and then we can think more clearly, or even better yet, if in advance we can think through scenarios where you will become upset and have a plan in place, develop it before you become upset. I was recently talking to a group of administrators who were talking about this, and they need to have a conversation with their faculty and staff. Um, they've had situations with parents where things have happened in the parking lot that escalated, and they needed to get law enforcement involved. You know, if you're an administrator, you've probably been in that kind of uncomfortable situation of when is the time? What triggers that? When is it escalated enough to where we need to call law enforcement? Have that conversation in advance. Think through it. So in the moment when you're in a situation, you're not wondering, is now the time? Should I be calling? Should I not? You know, when you're responsible for the safety of your school and the people at your school, we need to think through these things in advance. That's why we have tornado drills. That's why we have used to back in the day at so, fire drills. Yeah. So, so I'm sorry, but I have to humor you. So mm -hmm. when I was student teaching many, many years ago mm -hmm. at this school, uh, they were having a tornado drill, and I successfully marched the sixth graders at that time outside to line up on the line because I misunderstood, and it they it, it was not a fire drill; it was a tornado <laughs> drill. So to this day, people still chide me for that. So. Very cute. Um, yeah. Active shooter drills, right? It's right. why we do that. That's so that when something happens, we know what we're supposed to do and we don't have to think on our feet right then in the moment. When your teenager does something that upsets you, and you know they will. <laughs> I, 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 can, I have three teenagers, so no, I've never been upset by them. Think that's through in advance. What are those things that they're going to do that's going to tap dance on my last nerve? What's going to set me off? How will you react? Think about that in advance. Play through different scenarios in, in your mind. Develop who do I want to be? What's the kind of person? What's the kind of parent? What's the kind of teacher? What's the kind of administrator? I want to show up in those situations. Think about that before it happens, when you're calm, when the critical thinking part of your brain is working very well. If you know that your in-laws oftentimes say things or your spouse says things or does things. Or, or, or I say things. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Think through in advance. How do you want to show up? Who's the person you want to be? Be intentional about that. I think one of the most powerful things we can do as human beings is bring love to interactions with people. And when we lose that, we lose so much of our, our, our power and our influence. So instead of being reactive in the moment, when you feel you have to stay alive, when you have to win the fight, when you have to get the last word, when you don't want to be embarrassed, when you don't want to be showing up, how can you think through that in advance and just deal with that, speaking the truth in love? Because otherwise it's just very divisive to our relationships. And uh, that's not that's not a God-pleasing thing. So teachers, what will a student or parent or colleague do that really sets you off? Let's say a student starts arguing with you while you're trying to teach. What are you going to do? Do you wait until you are in that situation or do you think about it in advance and how you want to handle it, how you want to deal with that? That would be my encouragement to you. Uh, here's a big one. It's some advice to parents of teenagers who are starting to date, right? We know how 
the hormones, the emotions, the feelings can all really get ramped up on a date, right? You have a teenage daughter or a teenage son and they've started dating. Walk them through in advance. How are they going to end their dates? When they're feeling all these things, uh, hormones, feelings, they're running hot, what are they going to do? How are they going to handle that? Help them think through it in advance because I can guarantee you when that's going on, there is no neurochemistry going to their prefrontal cortex. How many times do uh, teenagers do stuff and we as parents say, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. Honestly, mom and dad, they weren't. They weren't. They were not using that part of their brain. They were not thinking. They were being completely controlled by emotions, hormones, rather whatever it might be. So think through that in advance with them. Um, help them think through how they want to, what's the kind of person they want to be? How do they want to show up for that? Um, someone cuts you off in traffic. How do you want to respond? So you don't get glommed into this road rage incident, right? Incident. Uh, what do you need to tell yourself so that you don't get so upset? You know, I oftentimes tell myself, it's okay. They're not taking the road with them. It will still be there. I'll still get to my destination. Um, think through it in advance. Practice it. Emergency personnel do this all the time. They have what we call a protocol. If you're a fireman and you arrive on the scene of a fire, you don't have to think through. This is just what you do first, what you do second, what you do third. Uh, highway patrol officer, sheriff, pulling somebody over on the side of the road. Here's what I do first. Here's what I do second. Here's what I do third. EMTs, emergency room personnel. And it's all based on this knowledge that Dr. Rhoda has shared with how the brain functions when yep. it's under stress. Yep. And so have a plan. Practice that plan. Think about it in your mind. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle it when anger? Well, you can use the thinking part of your brain because when you're in conflict, it's too late. The thinking part of your brain isn't working. Okay, so if we can stay calm or if we can have a plan in place in advance, that's the key to using the thinking part of our brain to resolve conflict. Once we become upset, we go into fight or flight mode and we are no longer able to utilize the thinking part of our brain to resolve this conflict. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, if you haven't done this already, rethink and reflect on your conflict resolution style. Really, really important that you have awareness. Number two, understand when conflict happens, we're using different parts of our brain. Number three, really important plan in advance before the conflict happens know how to handle it number four uh, realize again it's always your choice it's your choice to stay stop stay calm it's your choice to agitate the person uh, you're having conflict with and number five really really important have the conversation with your child, have the conversation with your friends, have the conversation with your colleagues about conflict, how the brain works, and then talk about the conflicts that they are experiencing and have them create a, a reasonable plan uh, for their good, both now and in the future. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.